have Brian. I am performance director and co-founder here at Spokes, and you are listening to Bespoke, the training podcast for cyclists, triathletes, and multi-sport individuals. Uh, I am joined today by one of our nutritionists, Jess Childs, and our lifestyle and wellness advisor, Will Newman. We are going to be talking about uh, gut microbiome. So, hi, hey, Jess, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Will, how are you doing today? Good, thanks. Fantastic. So uh, let's start with, we're going to go with Jess. Gut microbiome is something that really interests me. I mean, I have a lot of issues uh, in, in my stomach. I've been told that I have like leaky gut syndrome or even like a candida overgrowth in, in my sort of uh, years as, as being working with holistic sort of practitioners and stuff like that. It's something that I love to look into more, but I'm glad that I got you both on the call today because you two are really our sort of experts and leaders in this field. So so Jess, for the people that are listening, could you just tell us what actually is your gut microbiome? So as a term, microbiome kind of refers to any microorganism, so fungi, virus or bacteria that lives anywhere on our body. The gut specifically, therefore, is all the kind of bacteria and fungi that live within our gastrointestinal system and there's actually about 10 to 1 bacteria to our individual human cells so I mean they outnumber us by um, 10 times which is pretty impressive Um, and basically because a lot of our immune system is within the gut it is so important for facilitating good health or bad health. Absolutely so would you sort of say that probably this is like one of the most important like organs of your body? Like if you, if you get it wrong in your gut, are you going to really be struggling in other areas? Yeah, but I would say that it's good because there's a lot you can do now. And the research on this is exploding in terms of how we can kind of rebalance it. But I would say the, the Western way of living and processed foods, um, lots of sugar, not enough kind of vegetables. And we'll go into fermentation of vegetables later is um, just not helping and it's putting us on kind of um, a downward slope to having some health problems within our guts so yes it is pretty critical to overall health absolutely and will um what's your experience with with this uh, i kind of come from a, a perspective um i guess scientifically in my study but then also just in my own sort of trials and tribulations with illness and, and sort of trying to work out things for myself and it's one of those these areas I think is like quite under, misunderstood because often if anything in our abdomen hurts we just say we've got stomachache and when we say gut a lot of people might not know what we're like specifically referring to um, but it's the stomach the small intestine the large intestine and often if you said to sort of the general population do bacteria live in our stomach they probably say no because the stomach itself is very highly acidic um, and the first part of the small intestine is quite acidic as well. But then towards the middle of the large intestine and the end of the large intestine, it's not very acidic anymore. And that's where um, a lot of these microorganisms can sort of thrive. I think that's kind of what yeah, what we're, we're chatting about today. Yeah, absolutely. And um, for you, what would what were the dangers of, of kind of not looking after your gut microbiome? If you, if you asked us sort of 20, 30 years ago, we might just say, Maybe functional gastrointestinal conditions so you might have IBS you might have issues with fat metabolism but now and now onwards it's sort of cancer diabetes depression metabolic syndrome it really is the the sort of connection to the stomach is called bi-directional so it means your stomach can send signals to your brain and your brain can send signals to your stomach and in the same way that 
we have an endocrine system and that might be any sort of organ that gives out enzymes um, or hormones. There's a lot of the research is sort of suggesting that the, the stomach itself, that the, the entirety of the gut acts as an endocrine organ. So anything that goes wrong within the gut can actually affect the host, if you like, the rest of the body. Um, and that sort of diseases that could be, you know, in, in elite athletes, it could be a reason why they perform well, but it, the, the scope is just insanely big. I don't think there's anything that's excluded from it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so Jess, I mean, give it, can you give us a timeline of sort of where we are, where we've got to in terms of understanding our, our gut and what's going on in the, in, in the last 10, 20 years? Because I think one of the, it's always been a big mystery, as in my understanding is we don't really, like we know a lot about, or we know quite considerable amounts of the, the human body, but the gut is something that's always like been uh, eluded us. What would, what would you say has been the biggest change uh, in the recent years in terms of our understanding of our guts? Um, I think it's how complex and also how kind of like Will said, we understood that simple things like IBS and um, imbalances in the bacteria were bad. But I think it's just the extent to which they can then impact really critical parts of our health, such as, I mean, if you have slightly imbalanced bacteria, that could lead to something like a leaky gut, which leads to autoimmune. So I think it's just going step by step into the implications of it. And I just think the research is exploding because it's suddenly a really important area to getting to kind of the crux of why there's so much chronic disease out there today. No, I completely agree with that. And it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because uh, as Will kind of alluded to, we, we talk about if you if you have a stomachache or any stomach problems, you always used to just go to the doctor and doctor would kind of be like nonchalant about it. I remember that it didn't give you a pill maybe or or tell you that you, you're probably eating something. But uh, I, I never remember uh, my doctor giving uh, any information on, uh, on on sort of my nutrition or anything like that. And I, I feel like we're really, we're really at a tipping or a turning point in terms of that. So Will, how do the bacteria get introduced to the gastrointestinal system, and what changes the constitution of the bacteria? So, when when we are when I, if you ask someone this question, the sort of first thing we'd think of would be the foods that we take in. Um, but really, the process starts when we're born, or maybe even before we're born. So, um, it's not currently known whether um, within fetuses whether there is a sort of biome as such. It's not known if if babies are, the gastrointestinal system is like um, not fertile until they're born. But even even when we're born, um, obviously we pass through the birth canal. And if um, if there's bacteria in there, there's yeast in there, which there will be, they'll be the first sources of these um, microorganisms that we have. And then it is literally a case of um, what bed were you in in the hospital ward? Which doctors touched you? What was the first bits of food you had? And this is why there's quite a lot of evidence um, and sort of links to cesarean births and sort of lack of microbial diversity in babies that have been born by a cesarean section. Um, and, and again, probably the first source of um, nutrition that we have as um, infants would be things like breast milk, which is known to be abundant um, in beneficial strains that um, thrive in the breast milk. So re- it really is from the moment that we are born, whichever method that is, influences our um, our microbiome then, but then also going through to the rest of our lives. And it's linked to things like disease risk and um, risk of getting allergies. 
Um, but it's, it's just something we might not think straight away because we just think about what we're putting in our bodies now, not what happens when we were born. Yeah, absolutely. That's really it's really interesting. I mean, that's something that um, we've always kind of been mentioned, especially like it, it's almost been a bit pseudoscience, hasn't it? A bit hoodoo almost, um, like especially with the C-section sort of delivery of birth. Um and, and and sort of like nursing your, your babies too so it's quite interesting that actually the science is start, starting to, to sort of prove that what we, we kind of have thought or presumed is kind of there um jess we kind of touched on this but what roles do uh, what roles does the microbiome have in in general health and disease well um i mean the some of the basic stuff is like your ibs stuff in terms of uh, bloating, indigestion, which, and also like in problems digesting food properly. And I think sometimes I quite like the slogan of we are, we're not specifically we are what we eat, we are what we absorb. And a lot of the microorganisms really help us to digest some of our food. So if firstly they're not doing that role, we may not be at absorbing the macro and micronutrients that we need to kind of survive um, really well. So that may lead to some might, some kind of deficiencies in certain nutrients, which can be precursors to disease. It's now coming out that if you have an imbalanced um, gut microbiome, it can predispose you and it can be the reason for um, having low mood or uh, in some severe cases, depression. It can also really impact energy if you're not breaking down uh, certain macronutrients, um, really like there's so many bits it can impact if you have an overgrowth of candida which if you don't have enough good bacteria that's what might happen that may give you sugar cravings it can impact you losing weight so there's some um, evidence around certain strains of bacteria which may make it harder for you to lose weight than other people so it really it's so wide-reaching in terms of a lot of different um, illnesses and problems that we have now yeah, absolutely. It's funny that I, I kind of mentioned that I've been sort of diagnosed as having a candida overgrowth um, by a holistic sort of practitioner. And I remember posting this, this is a couple of years ago, posting this on Facebook because I was like, wow, this is really sort of interesting. Like nobody's ever said anything along these lines to me. And there was quite a few people who slated me um, who were like, don't don't listen to all of that. Uh, like hoodoo nonsense it's all just uh, pseudoscience and everything and I think now we're kind of actually understanding it a bit more and uh, um, it, it's, it's kind of pushing this to the forefront isn't it um, it's interesting you oh sorry go on I was say you can blame sugar cravings and weight gain on your gut microbiome which is probably quite a recent um, excuse but obviously then you want to have a look into the reasons why that is out of balance and importantly there is lots that you can do to uh, rebalance it yeah absolutely no that's good we'll, we'll, we'll touch on sort of rebalancing in a minute I just you, you mentioned something which really kind of uh, uh, sparked my interest there and that's the link between mi- microbiome and psychology in terms of maybe depression or other mental health issues Will I know you've got a lot to say on this subject what, what would you like to add to that? Well, the sort of stomach and the gut in general is part of what we call the enteric nervous system. So it's that bi-directional connection between the brain and the gut. And there's a large proportion of the nerves and the receptors in the enteric nervous system are innovated um, and work with serotonin, which we know is vital um, in sort of cognitive processes with things like reward, satisfaction, um, 
And that's a very archaic molecule. So that goes back sort of millions of years um, into really simple creatures like crabs and things like that. So, but within in the sort of context of um, humans, we, we kind of, as Jess alluded to, if we have a bad mood or something, we might try and always sort of on uh, external factors, but we might not look at or reflect on what's sort of happening within our body. Um, and, you know, I know this, this sounds funny, but we kind of have this idea if we're in a situation, it could be in a situation where we feel, feel guilt. It could be in a situation where something bad's going to happen. And people always say, trust your gut. And you often feel this very somatically. Um, you know, you feel, you feel bad, you feel like something's not right and you feel it in your stomach. Of course, that's sort of a um, psychosomatic response, but there's probably something to that. Um, but, but really, yeah, just looking at how um, the composition of the microbiome can affect the mood, um, it's, it's definitely going to be an unravelling area. Um, and, you know, we, we, we sort of have this experience as athletes. Um, if we have a big event or something, we might be quite nervous that day. Um, and a lot of people have changes in their bowel habits, um, especially if they get nervous or if they feel anxious. Um, and that's just sort of a, a scope into um, how things can be affected. And, um, yeah, just going back to something you touched on earlier when we were talking about how everyone's sort of composition uh, is different. We've got a, a nutritional forum called Nutritionally Fit. And often there's sort of there's sort of debates about which diet works for one person, which diet works for another person, and this didn't work for me. And like Jess said, every single strain of or species of bacterium we have has beneficial substrates that they use for their own uh, existence. So I, for example, might do very well on a high carbohydrate diet because that might reflect what my microbiome um, can break down very easily, whereas someone else might be really good at metabolizing fat. And that's why some people will do so well on one diet and won't do well on another one. It's not because the diet itself doesn't work, but it's because there's this mismatch at the moment where we're not looking at the diets and the individual differences very scientifically. So if we did things like screening and we did stool samples and we sort of did an assay of that all of the species within um, people's uh, gut, we might be able to better prescribe them diets that would be good for performance, good for health and disease and maybe good for mood as well yeah i completely agree and uh, watch this space in terms of uh, like blood and stool samples because that's kind of going to be something that we're going to roll out as folks uh, within the next few months and uh, uh yeah i just want to sort of circle back around to what you were saying about uh sort of changes in bowel habits when, when you're racing uh, as you well know will uh when you've done a, an early morning or any time trial the, the bathrooms, the toilets are, are, are very busy with people doing uh, doing all of their business, and it's it's interesting, isn't it? How how nerves can actually be uh, can force that response, and uh, uh, and how that works. So let's just quickly talk about for the, for the people that are listening. They're probably listening and thinking, okay, well they they came on the call primarily to find out exactly what role the microbiome has for. Uh, physical performance and racing. So, Jess, if, if your gut's not working uh, efficiently or you've got some sort of issues, what would you expect to, to be the limiters or the problems in terms of their racing and their training performance? I would say that um, often an imbalanced gut comes with a lot of inflammation and then that inflammation can be quite systemic. So that can kind of go to a lot of places within the body an inflammation like that can cause you pain in your joints. Um, so 
that that won't be helping in terms of recovery and also um whilst you're on the bike um other things as well like i said like just simply absorbing those macronutrients so the carbs um proteins are fats because what what you tend to find is once the microbiome is out of balance other things may be affected so that's things like your digestive enzymes become less effective at breaking down things like proteins fats and that can have wide-ranging effects, like simply just not having the muscle build that you want, um, as well as then micronutrients being absorbed. You know, your muscles need a lot of calcium, phosphorus, magnesium to be able to operate and then also to repair and recover as well. Um, so that could be impacted and you can have kind of pain and swelling and aches that you really don't want. Your mental performance could be impacted as well by the gut-brain axis, huge yeah. part of well and your resilience really to (laughs) absolutely will is there anything that you'd like to add to that in terms of physical performance yeah there's a i think probably quite a lot of cyclists experience if they've done something really intense maybe uh, a time trial or a race or something like that afterwards they might have a bit of abdominal pain or a change in bowel habits and things like that um and although that's it's probably related to microbiome sort of more on a sort of gross level um when you're performing and you're doing physical activity or exercise, especially to a high level, when your blood redistributes around your body, it goes away from your gastrointestinal system because it's not being used as much. So what kind of happens in the intestines is we get this condition called ischemia, which means there's a relative lack of oxygen, um, a lack of blood supply there. um, And that sort of promotes low level information within the intestines. And it, it really affects what we call peristalsis, which is the movement um, of stored or material through the intestines. So when blood does go back to to that area, there's a sort of pain response and there'll be dysfunction um, in the intestines, which could lead to those sort of changes in, in bowel habits. Um, but I, I had a couple of studies here um, and it was looking at um, stool samples in um, sort of elite level rugby players. Um, and they were finding that there were higher strains of bacteriums that were associated with cardiorespiratory fitness and sort of had an anti-inflammatory effect. And there was quite a strong link between aerobic fitness and the microbiome. So there's a study by Dirk et al. where they were looking at the differences and the, the impact of compositions of different species of bacteria in the microbiome. And once they adjusted for things like diet, sleep, blood pressure, um, just the species and the variation of bacterium in the microbiome was responsible for almost 20% of the variation in individuals' VO2 max, which is massive. Um, and yeah. it's a shame because if you try and find more studies, they just haven't been commissioned yet. They just haven't been funded. Um, but certainly high-level proteins, they probably wouldn't speak about it. And I mean the, the pinnacle of sport, they probably are getting their athletes to be using probiotic supplements so, I mean, there really is just so much to be uncovered here. And I really think it's going to be an in, insanely huge area for health and disease. And instead of going for the medication or, or going for something like that, it might be really having a detailed look at individuals um, and, you know, sorting out quite a lot of these conditions, which aren't um, serious, but they have an impact on people's quality of life. Um, and that might be intolerances. It might be functional gut disorders that cause pain, um, but a lot of these can be treated quite well um, once we get that balance back. 
Absolutely. That's really interesting. And there's quite, I'm really excited about how this progresses in the future. And definitely, I'd love to see more, more science behind this to support it. Um, I mean, I'm really glad I've just sort of sat here thinking, I'm really glad that as spokes, as a, as a company, we have experts like the both of you that are leading the line almost in terms of how this is. And I, I agree with you, Will, no doubt elite level, top level teams, top level sports professionals are probably doing this. Um, and again, very in secret to, to, to sort of see what they can, to, like, you know, the marginal gain sort of sky theory that was uh, that, they, that Dave Rails has brought around. I imagine this is one of the things that they probably look at because in, in the grand scheme of things, getting a stool or a blood sample down is rather relatively inexpensive compared to the budget of like uh, a pro cycling team. And the benefits could be, could be like, as you say, like really relatively large. So uh, when you get it right. So that's really interesting. I'm, I'm really, as I say, I'm grateful that you both are with us to sort of drive spokes and uh, ensure that uh, the clients and, and sort of followers and fans of spokes are getting cutting edge, like innovative, like um, gut microbiome uh, research and news and everything. So thank you both. And uh, for the people that are listening on the call, what, what can they do at home? I mean, aside from getting actually like a test done, which as I say, we'll, we'll be rolling those out in the next few months. And uh, what can they sort of person at home do um, to, to help improve the constitution of their gut microbiome? Let's, uh, let's hear from Jess first. Okay, so there's what to eat and what not to eat. Um, I'll start with the what to eat. Um, and the kind of a few things you can do here. One of the easiest things, and this is not a fancy thing, it's just a really basic thing, is basically upping your vegetable intake and more specifically polyphenols. You want more polyphenols in the diet because these have a kind of prebiotic type substance in them, which feeds the good bacteria. And by doing this, you will grow the good bacteria, which should then outnumber the bad bacteria. And the kind of foods that we're looking at here are things like blueberries, teas, such as green tea, um, cacao, which is good news for chocolate lovers. But you want cacao in a very kind of high percentage chocolate. So you're looking at like 80, 90 percent uh, chocolate. Apples and pomegranate are very good. Then you want to look at things like prebiotic foods directly. And these directly feed the good bacteria again. And these are things like bananas, um, apples and blueberries again. Apple cider vinegar is quite a good one. You can add a little bit of that with lemon, uh, squeeze of lemon in warm water in the morning. That will really benefit your um, digestive system. Um, onions and garlic, obviously, as long as you don't have an intolerance to these, are great. Um, and artichoke and broccoli, kind of some of the prebiotic foods. Then the really important foods are the probiotic foods. And these are fermented foods. This is how they kind of have the bacteria to, um, they basically go straight into your stomach as good bacteria um, and they can hopefully outnumber the bad bacteria. And these are things like um, kombucha, which is really starting to be sold in a lot of um, supermarkets here in the UK. So if you look out for kombucha, it's kind of a fizzy drink um, and it's a great one to swap for having fizzy drinks. I absolutely love kombucha. Sorry to interrupt you, Jess. Like, kombucha is my favourite thing in the whole world. And being in uh, Southern California, we really do have a lot of that. And it's interesting just to reinforce what you're saying is that when I left, when I when I left the UK some sort of two and a half years ago, kombucha had never really been heard of uh, in, in the UK. I'd never heard of it, and uh, spent a winter in uh, Southern California, 
and came back, still not heard of it. And then I, I obviously left for two years, came back after two years, and it's almost everywhere. I can't be, couldn't be happier to, to be able to come back and get a kombucha at like local farm stores and stuff like that. That's an easy one to pick up. It has got a bit of sugar in it, but it's got about a fifth or a quarter of the sugar that you know you'd get in a coke. So it is a lot better for you, and it, it needs the kombucha to um, carry out the fermentation process. Um, and you can get it in lots of different flavors. That one. Uh, another one is kefir. So you can look out for this in supermarkets as well. This is often dairy based. Um, however, you can get water kefir as well if you look really hard for that. And this is basically a cultured dairy drink, which is a bit like yogurt, but it's got a little bit more of a kick to it. So have a have a try of kefir. Then the other big um, group of um, foods to directly put bacteria into your gut are fermented vegetables. The most popular one being sauerkraut. Again, you can buy this in supermarkets. You just want to look at the ingredients and make sure this is live. Um, this also goes for yogurt. The problem we've got with yogurt, and I think a lot of people think when they eat a lot of yogurt, they're getting a lot of probiotics, but it is often pasteurized and heated to an extent that a lot of the bacteria is actually killed. So you probably want to be looking at sauerkraut. You can make your own. There is a lot of recipes online. Kimchi is actually a Korean uh, dish, which is fermented vegetables. So you can get it in Wagamama's. So maybe have a have a try of that the next time you're there. Um, just racing through the the foods that you want to avoid, and these are the foods that cause inflammation and also encourage the bad bacteria to grow, are things like sugar and just basically processed foods. We touched upon it earlier, but the other, the other things are medications such, an, such as antibiotics. Um, these don't do your gut any favours. However, there are obviously times when these are needed, um, but that they will affect your gut as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the first things that we, uh, I was told as well is that uh, if you have any gut-related issues, they usually look at any periods when you were a child where you had to sort of have a substantial course of uh, antibiotics. Like you say, there's a time and a place to take those, um, but unfortunately, it can do some quite severe damage to the good bacteria in our gut. So while it's not like the end of the world, of course, I mean, anyone listening to this, I hope there's nobody out there that kind of is sort of like feeling like they're at doomsday scenario where they're like they're, they're done for but the list of foods that jess has just pointed out what we'll do is we'll put those on the spokes blog so you can go to spokes.fit forward slash blog we'll have a search for their gut microbiome blog and what we'll do is we'll post up all of the good foods because uh, there was a lot there jess there was a lot and there, oh, there's some really good foods that uh, I, I definitely am going to go straight to the store and buy myself uh and um I would also list, obviously, the ones to avoid. So, Will, was there anything else that you'd like to add to that list or uh, any other ways that a person can improve the constitution of their gut microbiome? Um, I think it's just, yeah, just being very aware um, of the risks of things like antibiotics, which let's not knock them. I mean, that's one of the reasons why like, the entire world has thrived as it is today. But it's, uh, it's just being aware that antibiotics in general they're called non-specific so it doesn't mean we don't have antibiotics yet for specific uh, bacterium probably only like c difficile so it means anything that is a bacterium um, within your body will get destroyed by antibiotics you know if you're taking sort of a free three to four day course not a lot of damage is going to be done but if you're someone who i don't know maybe twice a year they get quite a bad infection or something you know afterwards it's just crazy to me that there isn't this sort of care package um, or maybe even a leaflet that's given out with them to say right 
afterwards just increase your vegetables or literally drink a couple of um, things of kefir a day or, or kombucha for a month or so and, and everything should be back back to normal there's not that information out there um, and it's not even it's not even difficult advanced information but it's just not available um, and it should be something that's that's spoken about because it's not really thought about by clinicians um, it's just oh here you go but there's no sort of thought to the health consequences that come from from that depletion which actually ends up costing health providers more money um, so it doesn't really make sense to me but uh, it's very important to just be aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I guess there's probably a, a conversation for another day. But uh, in the event somebody is out there, because I've worked with people who do get repeated infections or have had really long bouts uh, or have to had take doses of antibiotics for a long time. It's not the end of the world, but there are certain things that you can do to protect that in terms of preventing getting infections. There's probably another a whole another discussion for that one. Um, was there anything else that you uh, wanted to add, Jess? No, definitely. And it's um, it's definitely not, like you say, it's not the end of the world. We can quickly change the microbiome back to being healthy. Um, a lot of the time you can also take probiotics in tablet form, but it is best to do that under the guidance of a medical practitioner or nutritionist because there are very different strains out there and very different um, quality of the probiotics. And you need to know kind of what you're dealing with so that you're putting the right bacteria um, back in your gut. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that one of the things that like we, we, we sort of promote at Spokes is, is making sure you do use a qualified uh, nutritionist or, or expert in that. So, uh, again, anybody that's listening to this, uh, we do we do offer nutritional um, consultations uh, that you could get them on the, the Spokes store. So spokes.fit forward slash shop and, uh, and just have a look and even speak to one of our nutritionists 30 minutes and see what you get. You don't have to sign up for a, a three month package, but I can guarantee the people that have done really, really do love it and they, they see a massive change. But um, OK, so on that on that note, uh, we will we will say uh, thank you very much, Jess. Thank you very much, Will. And uh, for everyone watching. Like I say, what we'll do is we'll post those um, good and bad foods as on a, a gut microbiome blog uh, on the Spokes site. And uh, we'll no doubt hear from both of you again at some point, because this has been a, really for me, it's been a lot of information that I, I've learned. And I'm going to enjoy listening back to this because um, it, it, even it, for myself, I mean, like I say, I've had some stomach problems. And I know that if I can nail this down, this is a total game changer for my sort of athletic performance. And I have no doubt there are people out there that can't wait to kind of get started on, on something which realistically it is, it is fairly simple. You have to eat. So it's just about eating different foods and, and trying it out. It's not it's not going to cost you much more money, if anything, depending on your diet to just try this out. Uh, it might just be a slight change in your lifestyle. So. Fantastic information, I think, and uh, really thank you both for, for joining us.